0: Mira la izquierda. Mira la derecha. ¿Qué ves? ¿Dónde estás? In a world that seems to change daily, what will you do next? Welcome to the Next Steps show with Peter Vesquez and co-host Aisha Kreutz. A starting point for discussion y un poco de dirección. Bienvenidos y welcome al show Next Steps, where we're creating starting points of discussion and giving un poco de direction ladies and gentlemen it's me peter vasquez and aisha Kreitz. hi aisha
1: hello sir
0: hi bob hello ma'am we we you two
2: and all the ships at sea
0: <laughs> we have a,
1: passing in the night
0: uh, i think we should just move to our guest Oh, yeah. Once again, I think we got a super great guest. Although all our guests are great, but I think this time we also have another super great guest.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be a treat for people.
0: I think so, too. So check it out. Today's guest is a co-host on Fox & Friends. He hosts his uh, a nationally syndicated radio show, which is... What's the show called? The Brian Brian Kilmeade Show. Show. On the Fox Mm -hmm. News Talk. And he's the author of six books, five which are New York bestsellers, and one of them that we're going to talk about today. Bienvenidos to the Next Step Show, Brian.
3: Thanks, guys, for having me on. I appreciate
1: it. Oh, thank you. We're super excited uh, to uh, have you on. Yeah,
3: that we are.
0: Yeah. That we are. So 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 Brian, if you don't mind for our listeners, mind just telling us a little bit about who you are. I mean, I think we all kinda of know who you are, but just in case and uh and, and what you're doing these days.
3: Well, I mean, uh, George. uh, I've had my first book was George Washington's Secret Six about the spy ring that saved the American Revolution, which I know people in New York can really appreciate because they did so much under the radar, top secret until 1930. Thomas Jefferson, the Tripoli Pirates, our first war on terror. Jefferson took on Islamic extremism. Andrew Jackson. Uh, was the first unconnected president and no inroads in Virginia. He just earned his way up as a natural leader. And the Battle of New Orleans is what I focused on when he beat the world's number one army in just about 45 minutes to just defeated Napoleon. And then uh, I decided to jump into Texas, Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers. I, everybody knows the Alamo, but they know what happened after, and that's where I picked up uh, and just highlighting Sam Houston, who should really have been a president and was mentored by Andrew Jackson. And then I thought, how do I handle the Civil War era? And I thought, what pub, you know, you can't do a better job than David Blight doing Frederick Douglass. And you can't do a better job. All the Lincoln masterpieces, John Meacham with the latest one, he's the most written about president. So what if I talked about their relationship together and tackled race in America and the Civil War uh, through both their eyes? Now, Lincoln never wrote a biography, but Douglass did, and I still kind of started there with how he viewed his life in the middle of it, because he kept updating it. So that's why I came up with the president of Freedom Fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and the battle to save America's soul. And it's out on paperback now. What he always try to do is, you know, put something new in the paperback. And what I try to do is update it. And I noticed that they're trying to take down a statue, a monument that Lincoln, that Frederick Douglass dedicated to Lincoln. And uh, they thought it was inappropriate. They didn't like it uh, all these years later, and they tried to take it down. But his family stepped in, thankfully. And but they did take the one out of Massachusetts, a replica. And then they took Frederick Douglass's statue off its pedestal. We still don't know who exactly who did that, but they put it back. And I just thought this war on American history has got to stop. And I thought if I could take the time to explain it the best way I can, write about it, discuss it, and I thought it would be, would be great, and that's what happened this week. The, the paperback came out.
2: Awesome. Congratulations on that. Speaking with Brian Kilmeade of The Brian Kilmeade Show, see how that works, uh, on Fox News, bestseller, uh, uh, New York Times uh, books that he's just describing. Brian, the, the books that uh, you've, you've authored deal with pivotal points in America. In history where you know we're teetering kind of on this knife edge of survival you know things could uh, uh, things of course have worked out up till now they might just as easily have not a uh, lot of resonance uh, with the political atmosphere today wouldn't you say
3: I think so. I mean, I'm willing to talk race relations, but you could just say what you think it is, and I could say what I think it is. But what if I brought you to Douglas's words? And what if I told you, with all the problems with slavery in in, uh, a portion of America at the time, and only 3% of the black population in the North, with half the country leaving, you had a president uh, serving in political office who says, you know, if you don't come back, we're going to fight. And he does. But he doesn't emancipate the slaves. He doesn't let them fight for their freedom. And Douglas seethes he can't believe it. He's like, what about the Lincoln that campaign? Where's that guy? But the country wasn't there yet. So it's not my opinion. It's not your opinion. I'm telling you about racial relations, relations in America as it relates to what Lincoln did and what, what Douglas observed. And then to see how much progress we've made since those days and how Lincoln was fighting for not only freedom, then he pivoted to equality. And he got a lot of it, and he certainly got a lot of it with Lincoln, who, who put him on the platform on his inaugural, invited him into the ball after, and called him. He said he was the only person they really cared what he thought of his second inaugural speech, and Douglas's uh, review was it was a sacred effort, Mr. President. So I just thought, you know, who are we to judge inequality in our society when you literally? Uh, African-Americans who got their freedom literally worked their way up to get us to this point, the most successful multicultural country in the history of the world.
1: Well, yeah, and, you know, so your book actually um, (laughs) uh, covers one of the topics that does trigger a lot of people, um, which is, you know, that relationship between – Lincoln and Douglas, uh, which I think was amazing because a lot of times people try to take it, which is another question I have, but try and take it from another point of view. But um, I don't know if you remember, Harry Lewis Gates Jr. did an article a while back about the myths of Frederick Douglass. And, um, and, and part of that was trying to make it out to be that Douglas was someone that he wasn't, right? And in your book, you talk you know, well, can you just talk a little bit about how you address the relationship between Lincoln and Douglas? You kind of touched on it, and how it evolved, right? Douglas went to Lincoln to challenge him, and yet, and the, at the end of the day, they were friends. And his eulogy at the funeral was glowing. And now here they are, right, trying to take down statues and stuff like that. But how yeah. how do you kind of deal with that within the book? Because it's, it's a triggering thing for white people and black people on either side.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a Republican, and uh, the first Republican president was Abraham Lincoln, and Democrats, for the most part, wanted to maintain the current situation, and which was half slave, half free, was not working. It, you couldn't believe that it, it was actually an, uh, an idea, but that was the story of civilization at that time. In every continent, there was slavery. The American Indians had slaves. Africans had slaves in their continent. We didn't invent it, but we didn't stop it. And we fought a war to get rid of it. So with Frederick Douglass, he became, he forced, forced his way to learn. He would do chores for the white kids. He was friends with all white kids, and he would do chores for them in exchange for their homework. Show me how to read. Show me how to write. Show me how to spell. Show me how to speak. And then he had one, uh, the old family, A-U-L-D, whose uh, young wife did not know the rules of the road. You never teach a slave to read and write because they'd want more, like we all know the answer to that. You realize what life could be. And Douglas learned to read and write until the, the husband took a stop to it. And then not only did he learn to read and write and speak, he would get other, teach other African-Americans in slavery and out to read, write, speak, and take control of their lives. And when it was finally time for him to get free, he uh, failed once, was successful the next time, found himself free in New York. He also says, I was free from shelter, free from food, free from a place to go, free from friends. Where do I go? So, if anyone who says, "Wow, life's uh, stuck, uh, stacked against me, I don't have a chance," I'll put you in Douglas' shoes—a black man in New York with no friends, no money, nowhere to go, knowing if he makes eye contact with the wrong person, he gets arrested and may be enslaved the rest of his life. So, in his the way he worked his way through the way he learned how to speak, how he was discovered by William Lloyd Garrison when he walked up and spoke at an abolitionist meeting, and he was extremely religious. I mean, he would be doing uh, working on the docks or caulking, and he would nail newspapers to the pole. So at any moment he could read, any free moment he could learn. And then when he learned to speak, he was, must have been a natural, half Muhammad Ali and half uh, Martin Luther King. And he was provocative, and he was direct, and he was sarcastic, and he was motivating and inspirational. But he would also tell people like it is and where we, what we weren't doing right as a country. And then when he was, uh, went overseas to travel, and he just awed everyone in Ireland and Scotland and in, uh, in England and what we now know as Germany. There's statues to him now. He could have stayed in Europe. It was further advanced race relations in us. But instead, he goes, I'm going to come back and fix America. And he was frustrated, and he understood, but all he did was want to make us better. And when he was – I love that he was insulted with the idea of colonization, basically saying, hey, I'm here now. You're going to send me back and give me a dollar or $10 and send me back to where you think my home is? No, I'm an American. and And he had a partner in Lincoln.
1: Yeah. And, and you know and, and actually I, I don't know how much you know about Rochester at all. Um but you know well, He's
3: from New York. Well, I'm yeah, up but
1: Saturday. You know, I you know again he's he's gonna gonna learn. Learn. Rochester <laughs> itself, right? But in in, in general <laughs> in general, uh there are a lot of folks out there that are always trying to sully the name of Frederick Douglass and paint him um in the light that he'd be like a leftist and here in Rochester, they actually do it a lot. Um fortunately, me and Peter, we help uh, with the Frederick Douglass Foundation and Douglass Leadership Institute and have been fighting that narrative since 2009 to keep oh. his voice um, in One the marketplace and
3: they...
0: honor. One that they've skewed. I think you were up here once before, Brian, weren't you? Didn't you get a tour oh, of yeah. the 16 we did an statues? did hour special, which you okay. guys could
3: get on Fox Nation. It's archived on uh, Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln, and I was up there. Uh, we were on his statues. I met with the chairman of, uh, of the Frederick Douglass Institute. I think RIT, um, and um, you know, I have a real sense of uh, Rochester. I've been up there a few times, not for this, but then to to research a little, so and just to think, you know, we went to where his birthplace, where his house was. I guess it's an empty lot now.
1: Right. Well, and and they, it, it is an empty lot, mm-hmm. but you know. Like I said, the, a, a lot of the Douglas. I mean, um, Ken Morris. Uh, the Family Institute has moved well, in it as the well. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But you know. The, 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 again, we, we try really hard to keep that, you know, his voice which is something I like about your book and I think why people should really go out and, and buy it is because we want to honor the true legacy of Douglas of that idea of righteousness and Doug, uh, justice. Uh, Douglas was a minister and he once said, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I have one great political idea and that idea is an old one. It is widely and generally used. Um, nevertheless, um, it is generally trampled upon and disregarded. And the best that I can express it was in the Bible. Righteousness exhorts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. And I feel it my duty to all within my power to infuse this idea into the public mind that it will be steadily recognized and practiced upon all people. So my question is, like, after studying Douglas and doing this, you know, how do you see him and how he would— kind of be in this day and age, because, again, there is a clash of people that are going to try to paint him as a leftist, that he would be a Democrat today, right? And
3: Yeah. versus uh, Actually, I think, it's, I think it actually is diminishing to put him in a party. I think he would stand above it. I, I do. I just think this. I love the fact that he said, I'll work with anybody that's working in the right direction. They don't have to believe everything I believe, but they're going to help me out, get towards equality, first freedom, then equality. I'll work with them. And that's what he saw. Booker T. Washington, the same type thing. Okay, mm-hmm. I got a racist over here. I got a great guy over here. But that racist has connections. And that connections is to a part of society that could be a benefit to Suskegee. So maybe I'll deal with him. I'll see, try to find some good in him. And then maybe he'll yeah. be won over by my Perfect. actions. And Douglas was like, this is the world I'm in. How mm-hmm. do I make it better? And how do I achieve my goals? Rather than worry about people that want to stand in his way. Right. And I just admire the fact that you know his zenith was the Civil War and getting freedom, got it. And then when he's done with that, he's like, "Let me help women get the right to vote and some equality out there." And his last day is—and there's nothing I could tell Fred, you about Frederick Douglass you don't know. But for our listeners, his, one of his before his dying day, he had an appointment to appear at a women's uh, a women's rights event. Yeah. So he wasn't stopping. So he never stopped. And, and the thing is. Uh, I just found his whole life inspirational, and anybody who looks at it and says, you know what, I, I can't achieve anything. Life's stacked against me. I don't, whether it's your, your bad parents or no parents or your white, black, Asian, Hispanic, you talk about overcoming obstacles. It's pretty hard to to beat uh, Frederick Douglass and what he did in innate determination. And by the way, the freedom was education the more you know the more you learn the more uh, we the more formidable you are in society and impossible to ignore while well, learning is skill and a trade right so outthink them outwork them and don't <laughs> wait for that opportunity be so valuable you have to be hired and, and and for douglas not to stay in ireland and not to stay in england where his life would have been pretty easy mm-hmm. and to come back that's what i enjoy about his american story
1: and, and yeah douglas you know he said knowledge makes a man unfit to be a slave and If we, you know, one of the things, education is is big with Frederick Douglass, obviously, but, you know, we try to push that as well. And we letting people know, you go over to places like Africa where they walk five miles and have school underneath a tree, right, or in buildings that, you know, there are no desks. And because they take education seriously, and then we're in places here in America where, you know, again people are skipping school and have no interest whatsoever but if we want to make a change right i think douglas is you know he was one of the quintessential americans right that he is out here telling you that if you want that right um just like brian you were saying i mean he would nail a newspaper to the wall he was willing to get beat up to learn how to read and write and People need to take that very seriously and become learners. Remember Jada Williams, when we did with her, she had, um, I don't know if, uh, actually I should send it to you, Jada, she uh, went against the school system here. Uh, They asked all of them to do, it was a competition, a Frederick Douglass essay competition, and she wrote this essay, and she really said, took it to the teachers and she took it to her, her peers and said, you guys aren't learners and the teachers aren't teaching. But even if the teachers aren't teaching, you know, they said, read his book and apply it to today. And she did that. And then they tried to kick her out of school. The The school system itself. She went from being she, a straight. She, didn't she? Yeah, she went from being a straight A student to um, Basically being ostracized by the teachers and they were passing her essay around because she called out not just them, but everybody to say this that idea that knowledge makes you unfit to be a slave and you have to stop um, putting off all of the disparities that you see around you on anybody else and kind of take ownership of itself, just like Frederick Douglass did. And so, you know, I, I... it is really hard to find good books on Frederick Douglass today that wow. do that are written by not him, but put him in a true honorable
2: light of who he I is. I can think of one, yeah. You
4: know, th-
3: yeah, I mean my biggest – the thing that uh, – like when you read his book, you have to close it sometimes and walk away to think about what he had to go through. Uh, the fact that his mom visited him twice a night but never had a relationship with her. Uh, you know, Obviously, a uh, father he wouldn't have a relationship with, her, whether it was a slave owner or not. What he went through in order uh, to get a degree of equality, how he was chased off stages and, and try, they tried to mm-hmm. intimidate him. Booker T. Washington, the same way. You know, you sit there and you, you can't believe uh, things like that were happening. But it wasn't just America. And then when it's all said and done, what Douglas and, and Ulysses S. Grant... And what Lincoln could have accomplished if they were just allowed to be peacetime activists and presidents and leaders. Mm. I mean, it would have been a formidable exchange. And I always believe if Lincoln could have lived through the 1860s, we wouldn't have needed the 1960s.
2: Mm. (laughs) I'm into that.
1: do Do you touch on that in the book as well?
3: Well, what I did is in the afterward, I, I talked about the taking of that statue down in Rochester. I talked about the the protest that almost took down the uh, the Emancipation, the Freedom a Monument in Lincoln Park in in Washington D.C., and just how. That's where Frederick Douglass stood to dedicate a statue 10 years after his death, uh, put together by emancipate, uh, with money earned from the emancipated slaves. The average, the highest donor was $5. Thomas Ball did it, and a lot mm. of people didn't like it. It showed a black man breaking free of his trained uh, chains as he stood up uh, next to Lincoln. And, they, and even Douglass was like, you know, I don't love this design, but I appreciate <laughs> where it came from, and I know the intent. And to think that in 2020 we're going to rip it down when... Everything that we went through as a country and what it stood for, instead of respecting the generation and respecting the era in which it was built and, and the person that stood there, you were going to rip it down. And they boxed it up and took it out of Massachusetts. So I put that in the afterward. And, they, and the fact that they left that one there because the Douglas family, the way I understand it, the great 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 grandson said the family would like to keep it there. Yeah. And one thing they suggested is to have a statue of Douglas, you know, reading his speech in the same park. And I'm all for that, Absolutely. you know. In the same park, you you know that that could solve so many problems mm-hmm. uh, with the taking down of our past. While well, that guy wasn't perfect, that woman was, and that's not very rarely women are of this issue. But the England's doing the same thing. Oh, well, let's rip that down. Now that that person was. Uh, uh, didn't believe blacks and whites were equal, but they happened to be a, a war hero that that expanded. You know, I, I can't do the definitive history of, uh, of British politics. But they're ripping down their statues, throwing them in the English Channel, too. Because this person's life was not wholly something that was something they want to look up to in 2020. Where I'm looking to add and give context to somebody who dedicated a statue in 1875. But if you want Douglas giving the famous speech in front of that statue, who when he called Lincoln a white man's president, I g I'd the best I could be as his stepchild. I mean that was important. He wasn't diminishing Lincoln's legacy, but he was keeping it in reality. Right. And if you want to put that in the same park, game on. Let's do it. But I want to know what they were thinking in 1875. Isn't that the point of history? Isn't that a point of going to the Smithsonian? I don't want to change the Smithsonian to go by my values. I want to walk around and see, uh, you know, see everything American history had to offer—the holes in the War of 1812 flag—and I want to see the Declaration of Independence as it was. And and you know, I want to study Jefferson, even though he had slaves, and I want to study Washington too. I don't want to just study John Quincy Adams and John Adams. You know, there's a lot to learn from James Monroe because they were people of their time. That's right, and and without them, we're not here today. We're not having this conversation. We're not we're not the same people. This is certainly uh, maybe not even a country.
1: And, and as well, I mean, so like the taking down of the statues that we've. Uh, I go over that a lot. I have mixed feelings about some of it, like I you know, again, destruction of property, never, ever okay. Um, some of these statues, I'm like, you know, actually, I'm a descendant of uh, a slave owner. And um, in that, uh, Stonewall Jackson, and, you know, people will talk about, like, taking down a statue and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I think it's great because, you know, he's rolling over in his grave every time uh, – I tell people that you know that 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 we're related, yeah. and you know he was an uncle, and um, so so those things are very important. At the same time, again, it's a lot of these people, especially you know Democrats, who are trying to get rid of their history, which is you know again, it's not even my fight. I'm like half of these statues. We fought against having them put up because of the history, and now they want to take them down. And I do think that it's them trying to take away from the history of who they were so that they can kind of rewrite history. And so, like you said, adding to it and giving context – is absolutely a better idea, you know. Again, I don't know. Make museums well, and stuff.
0: That's, that's one of the things that really excited where, me about it. Why don't
3: we just study history? Why don't we just yeah. study? Yeah, history.
1: there you go. Why we have to rip it apart teach it. The seventeen seventy six uh, project, right? I uh, Bob Woodson and the Woodson yeah. Institute, and um, actually, one of the questions I, I don't think I'll get a chance uh, to talk about it today. But um, the, the uh, gold bold. Uh, um, media group and 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 1776 and how that project in education right and trying to push it forward so that we are actually having real conversations about history, um, which is what again I'm going to go back to why I like the book and how you actually addressed Thank you. the relationship with Douglas and Lincoln and I think that that is very important for people to understand from a historical point of view why. It's so important because again, when we try to bring, you know, white people get all upset um, because oh, you're trying to say something bad about Lincoln, and black people, you know, kind of like Ken Morris Jr., his great great grandson says, no, keep it there and let's add to it, right? And on the other side, they're like, oh, well, he didn't want to free the slaves. It's like, but look, this is a beautiful idea and. And pathway that we can show how you can come together and have hold each other accountable, challenge each other and become friends in the midst of it. I mean, like it shouldn't have to be so combative to where you can't find common, equal ground. Right. Frederick Douglass and I will partner with anyone to do good. This is.
3: Our right, chance and, in and history. I'll, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. If you get elected, uh, if, you know, for example, if Lee Zeldin gets elected in New York, it doesn't matter what Lee thinks. In order to be effective, what Schwarzenegger should have done, he mm-hmm. was dealing with a Democratic state and he was a Republican. Lee Zeldin, if he gets elected in New York, he's a, he's a Republican. He cannot do everything he wants to do. There's a the right. legislature. Yep. Throng- they will impeach him. He will get zero done. He'll be humiliated. He'll be useless. And, and that'll be it. So you have a choice. I have to adapt to the the country I'm in. That's what Lincoln had to do. It doesn't matter if Lincoln's the most conservative guy in the world by our standards, or that Lee Zeldin is, or that Schwarzenegger is. What does it take to be effective? Well, I got to make a deal. What is your deal? Well, you know what? Uh, the abortion thing. I'm going to give you your 24 weeks. I'm going to give you your 15 weeks. But you know what I want? I want to get rid of no cash bail. Okay? Did he give up his work ethic? No, he didn't. So on a that's a much smaller example. So what's the bigger example? Lincoln believes that the slavery is bad. He goes, if you don't like slavery, why are you? try it i didn't think i had any takers right (laughs) now he says i don't think blacks and whites are equal but i I do believe that everyone should be free it's not their fault you got to be kidding me so what happens he comes in the country leaves half the country's gone he Mm -hmm. said guys if you come back you can keep your slaves and 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 Frederick Douglass, are you kidding me? Right. What did you run on? What did you bait Stephen Douglas on? How dare you do that? You're going to put it in the Constitution as the 13th Amendment. You can keep your slaves. You stand for nothing. He writes for the North Star. He rips Lincoln every way yep. he can. He feels that disappointment. He almost leaves the country. But two years later, he begins to, once he meets Lincoln, he understands he's got to deal with the country that he has, not the country he wants. And when the country's ready to move, when they're ready to put African-Americans in uniform, give them guns, let them fight for their freedom, Douglas wants equal pay, he wants leadership, this typical Frederick Douglass. He, he helps mm-hmm. recruit, he gets his sons in there. And then he realizes, and he says it in his speech, and I'll just paraphrase, if he, you know, by my standards, he was slow, plotting, and ineffective. By his standards, he was swift, direct, and, and he talks about how when Lincoln knew the time was right, out comes the Emancipation Proclamation. Out comes this push to get black uh, to blacks in the army. Why didn't he do it earlier? He would have lost all the border states and the war. What country would he have had had he had done that? None. So Douglas began to realize that there's interest in being an activist and a president, and he appreciated that. And once they met, he immediately saw the goodness and kindness That's in right. his eyes, and he says, "I could deal with this guy."
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And and, and they became friends.
3: Right. And the thing is, you don't have to agree with your friend on everything. Understand where they come from. And the smarter people are, the more they're willing to listen. Mm -hmm. The people that cut you off and yell at you, Mm -hmm. it's because they're insecure in their argument. I know I don't know everything. I can't wait to get your perspective. And I'm pretty firm in my belief I'm willing to back them up. Wait, Brian, real
1: quick. Can you go back and repeat that part again? Because you're speaking my language I tell everyone again. Uh, you were talking about, I just want you to say la, uh, repeat yeah. the part about not yelling. I, uh, <laughs> not yelling. Yeah. Can you just say that again, please, real yeah. quick?
3: Yeah, I will say that. I will say that the more secure you are in your argument, the less defensive you are about, li- and, and, and the more willing you are to listen. Because you, I know what I know, but I know I don't know everything. I'm curious, and when people cut you off, and don't let you finish your thought and get mad at you and storm away. That's because they're afraid of defending their position. And Lincoln was a perfect example of probably the smartest guy in the, every room he was in, the most well-read. But he was also the best listener. And he listened to what Douglas had to say. And he opens up his story. He's like, listen, what do you think of this document? I'm thinking about the MSP. I'm thinking about releasing it. What do you think? What's missing? Now, that's pretty secure. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes out and talks to his generals. and goes, what are you seeing out there? He doesn't demand they go storm something that he doesn't see. Let me go see. Let me put, let me hop on a horse and a carriage and let me go out to the theater. And I just think we could all learn from that.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and if, I might just take that clip that you just did and, like, repeat it over and over again. turn into a promo. Uh, yeah, yeah, as a... Um, uh, grassroots leader, training up leaders and stuff like that. It is something, right, in this world where everybody is triggered all the time. I'm like, guys, just, you know, sit and listen, and it's okay. Uh, sometimes you have. I, you know, sometimes I'll say things that I know is going to trigger somebody else, and then I just sit and yeah. listen for 45 minutes as they go off. But you know what? It gives you permission to be able to speak into their life afterwards because they know that you're listening to them and, they're, and that you're hearing what they have to say. And now you can have a conversation. Um, and I know our time is – I want to be respectful of your time. Yeah. Um, but. Last question uh, that uh, that that we have for you, unless Peter has one. Uh, Is there any advice that you would give uh, to our listeners? And again, uh, we're one of the. I think we're the only uh, minority conservative uh, radio show in the area that that we're in, and uh, we have listeners from all sides um, that listen to us, uh, regardless of party affiliation. But what advice do you have to our listeners, on how to navigate the craziness um, of this current election cycle, and what 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 they can I'll, I'll do? I'll say or what...
3: this. I, I, well, I think number one, I, number one, go to bat for your beliefs. Go put the people in position to that represent you, but don't condemn them if they compromise we have to as a country get back to compromising nobody gets everything they want every day you didn't get the house you wanted at the price you wanted the car you wanted at the price you proposed i didn't get into the school the first two schools i applied for i'm happy with the third that's what we do every day in our life so if you represent a man or woman to send you and you send them to washington and in order to get something done, they have to confirm somebody that you thought was inept in order to get that uh the infrastructure bill that you needed passed or the or the pentagon funded that can they, they could fully defend our country uh or whatever it may be. Okay. So I just think that we have to, as a country, not throw people out or condemn them if they compromise. I think people are afraid to do that because of talk radio, because of newspapers, because of cable television, because of their friends and family or the people that elect them. You have to be willing as a leader to get unelected. And I think as a voter, you have to realize, I know this person has an objective, but Reagan compromised constantly. LBJ, I'm not saying he was my idol, but he, mm. that's all he did was wheel and deal. Kennedy got one thing passed because he only, I think it was the, um, I think it was um, the Foreign Legion or some type of uh, foreigner. He almost got nothing done because he didn't compromise. Uh, He was starting to get it before he was assassinated. I think we're going to get back to the point. When we compromise, we're going to be less heated. We're going to debate the best deal instead of waiting for that 60 votes in the Senate and the majority in the House and the presidency to jam something down somebody's throat, they become so angry, then it flips again and you get it jammed down your throat. That's the cycle we're in right now.
1: Okay. Fair enough. And and everyone, uh, just you listening, you know, we're talking to Brian Kilmeade, co-host of uh, Fox and Friends, and he's going to yeah. be here in Rochester, New York, uh, tom- well, Saturday. Saturday. At 6 p.m. at Barnes & Noble uh, for a book signing event. That's that's the
2: one in Pittsburgh, by the way.
1: Yep, Pittsburgh. Uh, Come grab his book. Um, We're going to post on Next Steps uh, show the link to... Uh, get the ticket so that you can buy the book and have him sign your book. Um, I will say that, you know, I was more impressed than I thought I was going to be personally uh, on on what a great job you did um, on this. I love history and we we just want to thank you so much. Brian, uh, do you have anything else that you want to share with anyone? Contact information? No, I I hope
3: to see it. No, that's it. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to watch my daughter play soccer (laughs) in the uh, college soccer in the afternoon and then walk right over and signed some books, and I look forward to seeing everyone in in person. Awesome. Okay, yeah, thanks, and we're going to be trying to get Thank some people there.
1: We're going to try and get people there beforehand too, let, let, and, and have you see that uh, there are a bunch of us conservatives uh, here in this little liberal, <laughs> liberal state too.
3: <laughs> I'll try to get there as soon as I can. Then, so they will meet before. All, All right, right. So Brian kill me. Later, thanks so
2: much Appreciate for being it. on Next Steps. Appreciate Bye. it.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that was Brian Kilmeade on the Next
2: Step Show,
0: being interviewed by our very own Aisha Kreutz. What a wonderful show. I love that guy. You know, I love the hope that he brings to our listeners. Real quick, after the book signing, you know, stop by Tropics, take a break. It's on Lakes Avenue. This, uh, the 29th Saturday, they got a Halloween bash with DJ Picasso right out of New York City. This is Peter Vasquez and Aisha Kreutz. We'll be right back on WYSL.
4: Christine Dimo vasquez candidate for Monroe County Family Court Judge. I've been an attorney for more than 18 years. As a wife, mother, and grandmother, family is very important to me. I have represented thousands of mothers, fathers, children, and grandparents. I have handled every type of case that would come before me as a family court judge. I understand the complexities of the family court system and the emotionally driven challenges of family court cases. As your next Monroe County Family Court Judge, I will listen. I will be prepared. I will follow I will the law. I will make decisions based on the facts and circumstances of each case. And I will always remember that I am dealing with the most important thing in your life, your family. I am Christine Vasquez, and I would be honored to earn your vote on November 8th.
0: Paid for by the committee to elect Christine DeMovasquez. The fair tax replaces the income tax and abolishes the IRS for good. But that's not going to happen if the current crop of politicians have their way. Fair Tax New York is looking for motivated citizens who are willing to contact candidates and get them to sign the Fair Tax Pledge promising to push for fair tax if elected. Call Fair Tax New York at 585-944-0588. That's 585-944-0588. Make that call today.
3: Peter Vasquez and Aisha Croix the next step show on the WYSL stations. You know, I like my chicken fry Cold beer on a friday night a pair of jeans that fit just right and a radio up, up. I like to see the, see the love in my woman's eyes.
2: nobody can accuse us Aisha of, of not having diverse bump song. music no here on the next step show
1: absolutely not that's like that's my jam right there uh, sometimes, we've said it before, right? Like Well, me and Peter aren't quite ready to have like the video up, mostly because sometimes I'll bust out and dance, and I'm really not that good at it. And, I disagree. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People always used to... I don't know if I can say this. So my mom was an um, exotic dancer at one point, And I, I don't
2: know. She I used, danced to exotic music, right?
1: Yes, without clothing on. Um, <laughs>
2: well, uh, I wasn't going to add that well, part. you know, See, I was trying, trying to put a little spin on this. And
1: thing. I was just, you know, people would be like, Oh, cause you're black. You can dance. You know, my mom, my mom is a uh, Caucasian though. And, uh, I'd be like, I, I don't know, I really can't dance And then I'm like, "Oh, but my mom was a dancer and then I'm like, "Oh wait, but she was nick, so maybe um the re- maybe it didn't matter. They weren't really caring how well her rhythm About was how, how
2: good the the uh, dancing was. yeah, 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 I yeah. Know. well, See, in any case, uh, a little but, bit but,
1: something more, but anyway, we are so uh great, you know again, uh, coming back off of our interview with uh, Brian Kilmead. And, you know, just wanted to reiterate that we are going to be there. We're probably going to show up around five o'clock uh, in the afternoon. If we get enough people there, like uh, he said, he's going to come a little bit before and meet with people. The book signing, right? I think it's like $20 uh, for the ticket. And you can, you know, you go online, get the ticket, um, and that gives you the book, and he signs it. But- do, you, do
2: you know where you go online for that?
1: Um, I do, but I don't have it with me. Um, okay. It's a, it's a long URL. Yeah, just um, I think Google
2: it, it or something. Right?
1: Yeah, we're, we're gonna put it. We'll put it up. But I think it's like Brian Kilmeade, um Dot com and then forward slash tour. I'll look and, and and just double check that. But if you go to our Next Steps Show Facebook page, um, it's on there or as well on the website and we will make sure that we get that up so that's a
2: sweet deal 20 bucks for the and you get the book and he he gets you get it signed and yeah get to meet the author that's a cool thing
1: and free you can come beforehand and hopefully you know hear from him a little bit on himself you know i know book signings can be pretty uh you know quick and you know what i mean like oh okay you don't get a lot of time but he's very gracious um and you know Willing to come out beforehand, you know, if if, if we uh, can pull
2: that off. So Again, the book is the President and the Freedom Fighter, and uh, that's uh, tomorrow Saturday, Barnes and Noble in Pittsburgh Plaza, starting at six. Right, Asia? Starting at six o'clock. Yep, okay. and right. it is. It's
1: it, if you just go to briankilmeade dot com and then forward slash tour, um, you can get the tickets right there uh, for his book. So we're super excited about that. Um, but you know, there's ten days left. November eighth, which is our election day. Um, don't know, you know how that's going to go, but
2: we can hope. Everybody's on pins and needles.
1: It is. It's just, you know, it's such a crazy time. But we got the one governor debate uh, that just happened uh, with uh, the New
2: Yorker debate. Yep, yeah. for New
1: York, uh, Hochul and um, Zeldin. Lee Zeldin. And so, you know. I I didn't get to watch the whole thing. My daughter was at a volleyball game. uh it was her, her last game uh, while that was taking place. But, um, so I've been watching it in bits and pieces, you know, since then. But I will say, hands down, I got to say that Zeldon had to have taken it. And the reason that I'm going to say that, even though, again, I, I'm just being forthright with you. Because I like to be honest, guys. You know me. Honest Aisha. Not, you know, honest Abe. Honest Aisha. Um... I got in the morning a so I'm I'm on the Kokel, you know, she sends out the emails and stuff like that. So I I always like to keep track of what the enemy is doing type sure. of thing. And her email that she sent out was wasn't like, "Oh, I had the debate and I took it to them." You know what I mean? Like when you know that you won how they put that out. Hers was that you need to donate To her right away because zeldon is lying on her and telling lies
2: translation i don't think it did that well so let's throw some more nasty tv ads in
1: correct so i was again i hadn't at that point i hadn't gotten to watch any of the um debate but i'm like oh zeldon must have really done really well so
2: well not only did uh, lee zeldon do well kathy hochel did horribly uh she, she had this this bizarre uh demeanor this constant deer in the headlights kind of uh, you know atmosphere uh she she looked like she was not prepared she looked intensely uncomfortable and that translates i mean it Mm, gets picked up by the camera and the microphone and people who are watching start to feel uncomfortable she sounded like a robot you know he's talking about uh, lee's talking about uh uh, you know the crime problems and uh and she's talking about well yeah we had gun control and uh, we red flag laws—they're really a great idea. That is not the way to broaden your base in upstate New York. Is to brag about red flag laws, right. which is which are, are unconstitutional, by the way. And they uh, they they trample on our civil rights, and it's it's a it's a mockery of due process, and it's not the not the kind of country that we want to live in, where your next door neighbor can have a grudge against you, can blow you in uh, because he knows that you happen to like firearms. Yeah.
1: And, by the way, people, uh, just so you know, I know Peter's not here um, at the moment. He had to step out. He had a family emergency that he had to take. Uh, take. So if you don't hear him anymore, it's not because I'm bullying him or I have him taped, uh, his mouth taped shut in a corner
2: or anything like that. Peter okay. Vasquez is uh, under the desk. And he's unconscious, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen.
1: No, that's one of my best Aisha friends. has her foot
2: in his back <laughs> with, a, with a stiletto heel.
1: Oh, man, wouldn't that be something? Uh, Chris might kill me. Would, oh, no, she wouldn't because she'd never heard a fly, but, you know.
2: Boy, I, I'd say this about Chris Timo uh, Vasquez. If, if there's one person who has won the lawn sign derby in this election cycle, it's her. I yeah. mean, yeah, you know, you can't swing a cat around in Henrietta, Brighton, <laughs> the city of Rochester, or on the West Side and not hit a Demo Vasquez really? lawn sign.
1: Nice. Oh, hey.
2: Oh, boy. Now, here. Oh, wait a minute. I, the. the PETA squad car just came screeching (laughs) up because I talked about swinging a cat. Oh, dear. Well, hey, she has been hustling. She has been
1: everywhere, I I, I will say. Um, I've been... Pretty impressed, you know, for especially right first time out and for a judge race, you know.
2: She's an I, impressive lady.
1: She is. She's, she's nice, sweet, and but she is definitely determined. I guess if you're a single mom and you go to law school and you do it on your own, that shows determination
2: and focus in itself. So, you know, having been through law school, I don't know how she did it. Uh, it matter of fact, they had an orientation meeting at the University of Tennessee when I went to law school before the first day of class. And they said, uh, Many of you think that you're going to work. And go to school. Don't try it. Yeah. Don't try it. You. You. Because you won't make it. Really. Yeah.
1: And she and, and they worked. were right
2: about it. Of course, Now I know she, she did this interesting she worked,
1: thing. Went to school and was a single mom.
2: Right. And she was part time. Now that was not an option, at least at UT Knoxville.
1: Oh, gotcha. Hey, you know, we get it done. However, Frederick Douglass. That's but anyway. He,
2: we wish her well, huh?
1: Yeah, Frederick Douglass. He'd all. You know, get it done. You know, there is no when you have a passion. I think that again here on the next step show that's one of the things, right? How do you take that next step? And we want people to really you you, you cannot look at all the obstacles in your way as a point of like a stop sign. It's an obstacle just like if you're hurdling in you know the hurdle race. How do I get over it? How do I get past it? And hopefully, you know, somehow the people around you are inspiring you to follow after your dreams. You know, I mean, again, we're talking about this election here in New York State where everybody thinks is a hopeless cause sometimes, right? And yet we have people time after time that are raising up to step into this just tumultuous place where your whole life is on display and run for office. You know, I give these candidates a lot. Of credit. Um, it's one of the reasons why I work so hard kind of behind the scenes for as many of them as you can. I mean, you can't help everybody. But um, I think we've seen a lot more of camaraderie this time of people coming together and realizing that we can do this if we kind of coalesce together. And the, the hope that I have personally, right, in these last 10 days is that everybody will get out your phones, that you will talk to at least 10 people that maybe you never have ever talked to about politics before or about where they stand on something and say, hey, how do you think things are going? And and, and make that conversation happen because we are at a precipice right now, okay? That New York, I don't know if it can survive If we do not, I mean, at the bare minimum, take back the Senate at the bare minimum, right? Because that is a a stopgap for us. And the only way that that is going to happen in a state like this is if we start having real conversations with our friends and family about what is important to us.
2: Yeah, and it's also vitally important for you to get to the polls, too. After you've had those conversations, get to the polls, make sure that you vote. Uh, really small, relatively small percentages of people participate in the electoral process. That's a huge mistake. And that's how, in large measure, we got what we got. Uh, the The primary process, especially, is so important because that's, that's how you get... You know the, uh, the 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 choice between a, a bad candidate and a worse candidate, as opposed to a good candidate and a bad candidate. You
1: know that's true. That well, that's speaking our language too, right? Those primaries and yeah, when stuff. you
2: get fifteen percent or eight percent or ten percent turnout, it's uh, it's a big problem. More to come here on the Next Step Show with Aisha and yours truly, uh, Peter. Will be back next week on the WYSL stations.
4: I'm Christine Demo-Vasquez, candidate for Monroe County Family Court Judge. I've been an attorney for more than 18 years. As a wife, mother, and grandmother, family is very important to me. I have represented thousands of mothers, fathers, children, and grandparents. I have handled every type of case that would come before me as a family court judge. I understand the complexities of the family court system and the emotionally driven challenges of family court cases. As your next Monroe County Family Court Judge, I will listen. I will be prepared. I will follow the law i will make decisions based on the facts and circumstances of each case and i will always remember that i am dealing with the most important thing in your life your family i am christine dimo vasquez and i would be honored to earn your vote on november 8th
0: paid for by the committee to elect christine dimo tax replaces the income tax and abolishes the irs for good but that's not going to happen if the current crop of politicians have their way fair tax new york is looking for motivated citizens who are willing to contact candidates and get them to sign the fair tax pledge promising to push for fair tax if elected call fair tax new york at 585-944-0588 that's 585-944-0588 make that call today
4: Hi, this is Attorney Christine DeMo Vasquez. For more than 18 years, I've provided quality legal services tailored to the unique needs of each of my clients. I take the time to educate my clients about the law, explain the legal process, listen carefully, answer questions, and keep my clients informed throughout the process.
2: An attorney who understands the complexities of the family court system, call Attorney Christine DeMo Vasquez at 585-427-0675. 585-427-0675.
3: Peter v- at Aisha Kroy's, the Next Step Show on the WYSL station.
0: Suavemente, Besame.
2: We're back in here with the Next Steps Radio Show. Bob Savage along with.
1: Ah, Aisha Kreitz and Peter Vasquez usually, but my buddy's not here right now, and keep him in your prayers, uh, him and his family as he's uh, attending to family business.
2: Yeah, not, nothing uh, drastic going on, it's just, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on in the Vasquez a uh, household, uh, as we record the show, ten days out from the big election. Of course, yeah. Chris Demo Vasquez, uh, longtime uh, domestic relations attorney, uh, has uh, well-established practice here in the Rochester area, running the for family money. court, mm-hmm. and uh, is doing just a bang-up job. But uh, you know, they're these guys are. Uh, it's kind of there's there's no uh, there's no. Running campaigns for dummies, yellow book out there, right? <laughs> I mean, no. you, you got to kind of like uh, ride the wave, yeah. And there's a lot going on with that. So uh, Peter Maybe. was called called back to the campaign,
1: yeah. It would be pretty cool, though, if there was a campaign for dummies' book,
2: right, yeah, because a lot of dummies run for office, and not not including Chris, we hasten to add
1: <laughs> well, you know when we left, you know we were talking about the primaries and how important they are. you know, I do think that this time around we have a a pretty good slate of candidates, you know again, not all of them perfect, um, but we have some pretty strong candidates out there this time. um I know that you know I campaigned personally in the primaries for. A couple of candidates that didn't win. Right. But that's not to say that there aren't good candidates that, you know, that they win anyway. Right. It's just like you pick your uh, you pick your battles and you fight for the person
2: that you think uh, should win and, and, and then you go for it. But right. anyway, right. Vote vote for the person that you think is the best person. That's the really the the one and only qualification that you need to consider. Is this is this person a good person? Don't get into uh, whether, you know, they they agree with you on every single policy issue uh, point uh, because you're going to be disappointed. You're not going to find an ideologically pure person who is going to fall in line with all of your beliefs right down the line. Yeah. That person doesn't exist.
1: I usually, you know, well, nowadays, like I used to make it an, an 80-20 split. <laughs> I used to say as long as I agree with them 80% of the time, then – I, you know, and on the core issues, there are some core issues that obviously, even if we agreed on, to be honest, 90% of the time, and there are some things I'd be like, no. But now, especially in New York, I'm down to 70%, Bob. Yeah, really? (laughs) I am. I'm like, if I can just get 70%, I'm okay. And I can uh, kind of what Brian Kilmeade was saying, I can make that compromise and say, you know what? That's okay because we have to have some, you know, if I can have 30% change, to the good in new york at this point
2: uh, you know i might be able to stay right okay uh, but, but. But, there are, but there are certain there are certain things that you should never compromise correct them. i mean correct. and that was that was the story that brian was relating be, between frederick douglas and abraham lincoln right was, you know lincoln was apparently poised to say all right well let's uh, reunite the country and we'll just let you have your slaves <laughs> right was like, what what are you nuts what what what's this whole fight all about
1: right exactly you know you have those core issues and those are different for everybody you know and and you have to vote your conscience but you ha- you have to dig deep inside yourself and say what are the most important things for yourself and then get out there um, as we were saying not only vote on November 8th or again if you're going to do early voting I think 29th is is the is when early voting started but getting other people out there to vote as well I I get it. We live in New York. There's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of vote stealing. So to me, instead of people saying, oh, my vote doesn't count... You should be saying, I need to get three more people to go out and vote with me so that my vote can count and there's two two." because they're going to steal one of them. Right. I mean, like, again, don't look at these things as problems. Look at them as obstacles to overcome. And we can do this, people. We can really make a change here in New York state and stop being the redheaded stepchild of America where nobody you know, thinks that we can do anything or make any kind of change. You know, I get out there helping peter gets out there again peter's run for office um you know chris which is crazy that she even she's not even a politician or anything like her deciding to run i'm like okay it must be bad out there <laughs> for her to jump in and put herself out there and i see that with a lot of other people as well these great candidates that are there so with that said
2: okay can you do a, a free soup in 30 seconds
1: a free soup in 30 seconds yeah can
2: you, here we go now free soup with aisha kreutz all right clock's ticking go
1: the um, amazing and extraordinary machine aisha kreutz so the in ephesians 5 11 says take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness but instead expose them in leviticus it says do not turn to the mediums of necromancers do not seek them out and so make themselves un- make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. You know what? Halloween is coming. So instead of going out and uh, dressing up or taking part in these things, I don't know, put a statue of Jesus that was whipped in your front yard and make a statement and have people who are begging to come to you to hear your voice and tell them about Jesus. Right? Give some hot cocoa uh, or some hot cider and-, and hand that out. You know, it doesn't have to be tracks.
2: And the love of our Savior. And the love of our Savior yeah. on a dark, dark night. All right. Hey, thanks so much for shedding some light on our program today. The Next step Show, Peter's back next week, Aisha Kreitz, and uh, yours truly. Thanks a lot for listening to the WYSL stations. Get the podcast, WYSL1040.com.